0: If you feel like you are barely hanging on to your family by a thread, like your life is crumbling in your hands, don't give up. You're here right now listening to this episode for a reason stay with me. Welcome to the
1: Fatherhood Challenge, a movement to awaken and inspire fathers everywhere to take great pride in their role and to challenge society to understand how important fathers are to the stability and
0: culture of their family's environment. Now, here's your host, Jonathan Guerrero. Greetings, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me. My guest is TEDx speaker Tommy Maloney. Tommy is the founder of Blending the Family and an author of many books, including his newest one, My Dad's Advice at 5.04 a.m. He's also a coach for dads who are struggling through divorce and parenting. Tommy, thank you so much for being on the Fatherhood Challenge.
1: I am pumped to be on your program. So thank you. I am
0: honored, uh, Jonathan, to be on this show. Tommy, you are the founder of Blending the Family. There must be a story behind why you started it. What is your story? I have no story,
1: so <laughs> uh, we can move on to the next question. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so we have uh, a blended family. So it's my wife, and then we have three kids between us. Um, my wife has two daughters. I have a son. Uh, we are in the uh, blended family space. So think of it this way, Jonathan. Think of for those uh, out there that remember the great show, The Brady Bunch. Uh, we're very similar to that, except number one, we only have three kids. Number two, we have no Alice. We can't afford Alice. And, uh, number three, <laughs> our, our dog's name, uh, is Otis and not Tiger. So to, to get into the origins of blending the family, we, my wife and I, when I say we, my wife and I, uh, when we started dating, we wanted to create a positive atmosphere for all the kids. And we didn't see any books on it. There was really nothing out there, Jonathan, to help create a a positive, successful, uh, blended family. And so that's how it all started was originally with uh, my wife and I putting together uh, a podcast, which is still going strong. And just um, with her psychology background, helping other families. And that's,
0: that's how it all started. You've been outspoken about your faith before. What role has your faith played in your story? Oh, wow. Great question.
1: Um, so as far as my faith, my faith probably didn't really come around until the past, I would say, 10 years. And I say 10 years because that's how long my wife and I have been married. Prior to that, Jonathan, you know, I went to Catholic school back in the birds of Chicago, go Cubs, go Blackhawks. Um, (laughs) And so, you know, I went to a Catholic school, you know, every day there was mass, every day there was praying, every day, you know, you're you're trying to, you know, hear the word. And I just wasn't there. I wasn't really into it at that time. And it, it wasn't until... I met my wife and I started dating my wife and one of the very first events that I attended at her church was right around Christmas time and they had the big production of Christmas lights and you had a play and you had a message and uh, you know I I I really enjoyed that but I still wasn't ready and so it wasn't until there was a change at the church, there was a change in leadership. And with the new leadership, I felt that I was starting to understand it. I was starting to um, feel uh, a presence. And it wasn't really, Jonathan, until I went to a men's retreat at the church. And I felt that I was, you know, walking into a Mensa meeting going, I'm in the wrong place. And it wasn't until I started sitting talking to other dads, other men, and talking about faith, and I would say, I don't get it. And they're like, guess what? We don't get it either. But that's why we're here to uh to figure it out. And with that being said, you know, I I enjoy my my time of meditation. I enjoy my time of my loneliness, of of every once in a while, I'll just sit and and actually just sit and pray for for people, for things, you know um, so faith hasn't really uh, come to me until, like I said, Jonathan, until this this past ten years of of uh, learning from my wife.
0: It sounds to me like you also learned a lot just from the fellowship with other men too, which we've talked about a lot on the program as being absolutely essential to the development and stability of every dad.
1: Well, I think part of it too is, and I mentioned it on, you know, my podcast, Blending the Family too, is that I want men to understand that it's not a weakness asking for help, going to therapy, um, having those, you know, one-on-one conversations with your significant other. It's a strength when you say to somebody, I need help, I'm struggling. And I am very fortunate to have not only, you know, a a partner in my wife, but I have a really strong circle of of men that I can say to them, hey, can we just sit and chat? You know, for me, Jonathan, it's because my my day job involves a lot of travel and it involves a lot of being in hotels alone and sitting in rental cars alone and flying you know all those things, I tend to um fall into a, a little bit of a trap of uh, what I call my depression. I'd label it as fog, so from time to time the f- the fog comes in, and this is where I reach out to my network or or again my wife and say, "Hey, can we just talk? Can we just uh, you know?" Tell me something good. Tell me something positive, you know, things of that nature. So it's key for men to be able to have, uh, you know, the comfort in themselves and the comfort within their their fellowship, their friendship with other men to, to just simply say, hey, can we just talk? I'm, I'm not feeling, you know, positive. I'm not feeling it today. Can we just have, you know, just some, some quality time?
0: I can sometimes feel... When I just need that time, that company with other dads, with, um, even just other guys, uh, to be able to share that wisdom sometimes to be able to offload things. But it's also so critically important from what you're saying to have that quality time with your spouse, to just be vulnerable, to level with them about what's going on in your mind, uh, what's going on in your heart. Uh, and just coordinate and plan things together. And I think that they appreciate that too. Well, to, I'll
1: give you a quick story, John, to, to touch on that. And that was uh, recently I had a business trip that took me uh, uh, away from the home for three weeks. And during the second week, I, like I said, I, I could really feel my fog rolling in and I was struggling. I was just struggling. And luckily, I recognize that, and so I did reach out to my wife and just say, "Hey, this <laughs> this solitude is really getting to me. Can we just either FaceTime or talk tonight?" And so it, I again, not not to keep repeating this, but it's in one of the things I want to build a legacy on is trying to help more men um talk and get help for for their for mental health and i i i am like i said i am just so grateful for my wife i am just super blessed to uh again have a partner and you know you know you're you're talking about things that you need you know within your relationship and so We try our best and it's, I mean, it's life. I mean, life happens and we try, Jonathan, to schedule those, you know, either a weekly or uh, every couple of weeks, uh, date nights, and it's not always the case. But if you can build a connection, if you can build, um, you know, that relationship on trust and love and forgiveness, you have a
0: solid ground building upon
1: your relationship.
0: Absolutely. Tommy, you recently released a book called My Dad's Advice at 5.04 AM. You also grew up in a broken home, just like I did. How did this life experience inspire your book?
1: <laughs> oh,
0: how much time do we
1: have? Anyway, <laughs> so the title of the book, My Dad's Advice at 5.04 AM, comes from uh, my son, Connor Uh, being born at that time at 5.04 a.m. And as, as you know, as a parent yourself, Jonathan, you know, you have to, once your, your children are born, you have to start making those phone calls to the, the relatives. And so the first person I called at the time was uh, my former spouse's uh, mom. I told her the great news and I said, we'll, we'll talk to you later then i called my mom told her the news told her to call her later uh, my former spouse's uh dad uh died tragically in a in a car accident he was killed by a, a drunk driver and so my former uh wife was really young uh, when she lost her dad and so the only other than my bonus dad we have my dad and my dad um before Connor was born, he did not want to be called grandpa. He didn't want to be called, um, you know, that type of label because in his mind, he was still that uh, swinging single bachelor living in downtown Chicago, even though uh, he lives with his girlfriend and has been living with her for eons. So it was really hard to get him to. Get out of his own way to say no you're his you know blood grandfather you need to understand this and so when I called my dad to say that um, hey congratulations you're a grandfather even though he hated when I said that but later on uh, he did change and he's a fantastic not only is he a fantastic grandfather to uh Connor but he's a fantastic um, role model to uh, my two bonus daughters uh, we went to visit Chicago uh several years ago and he was our tour guide so he's a he's a fantastic role model when it comes to uh, my my uh, guru of fatherhood at times but when I said to my dad hey congratulations you're a grandfather there was this long pause Jonathan and he goes all right do you know what your role is right now as a father to your son Connor so my dad had this dramatic pause when it came to this fatherly advice and as I'm sleep deprived as I'm thinking about this Jonathan I'm all I'm thinking about all right so he's asking me what is my role as a father at this moment and all I'm thinking is I want a nap or lots of coffee but to appease him I go it, it it's just to love my son as best I can. And my dad said, no, your role is just like what I did for you. And that is to screw him up as best you can. And I'm like, great. <laughs> can I go now? <laughs> so that's the advice. So after hearing this advice, my thought was, I'm just going to reverse engineer it. So how do I take this advice of screwing up your kid, but turning it the other way? And the way I thought of it was spending quality time, as much quality time as I could with with my son. Little did I realize five years later, after he he was born, uh, that's when his mom and I uh, ended up getting a divorce. So my advice within the advice, Jonathan, is... Don't take your time granted
0: with your kids. There's only so much time that you get with them. And in every bit of that time, it has to be absolutely quality time. And you may, at the moment, it may seem like, uh, oh, this is not really that important. This is not that significant. But you only get that moment once. Your kids are younger, correct? Yes, they they are younger. There's... One is my oldest is 11 and my youngest is nine.
1: To use my son as an example, he's 19. And again, taking time for granted. So I thought when I got married the first time, you know, death do us part, all that stuff. And when when we did get divorced, I had to figure out, well, how do I stay connected with my son when I'm not in that house, and so you know there are things when when he was first learning how to read, and wherever I was on the road, I'd send him postcards, or we would try and uh, do video chats way way before uh, FaceTime, and so it was just little things like that to help stay connected with him. Moving forward. Uh, My son has been uh, the past year living out in California, trying to live his hockey dream. And at the end of this month, uh, I'm going to fly out to uh, California. And then he and I are going to take the road trip from California back here to Colorado. So I am super excited about that because because I was a stay-at-home dad back when um, he was first born, we really built, I, I feel, um, the jury's still out. It's up to him, but I feel that we built a really good relationship. And so because of, we built that foundation of me being a stay at home dad. And now, you know, you know, essentially 14, 15 years later, we're going to now take this road trip. I'm, I'm excited because he's an adult We can have some really open conversations Um, and he's, he's stuck in a car, so he's not going (laughs) anywhere. So that's why I'm excited about this. Jonathan is to have these, these conversations to have, um, you know, I want to know, I want to know how I'm doing as a dad and how I can improve. I mean, our, our our kids are, are the experts on that. And so, If there's anything I can do to change, if there's anything that, you know, I need to be better at, this is going to be that opportunity because you don't get those opportunities a lot. Again, don't take your time for granted with your kids.
0: Let's change gears a little bit and let's talk about the divorce rate. What is going on with the divorce rate? Are we really seeing more divorces now than we did, let's say, 20 or even 50 years ago? Or is it just that we're becoming better and wiser about how to handle them?
1: It's a tough question because no matter what numbers you look at, I think on average, it's still for the first divorce, it's about 51 to 53%. Uh, It's even higher for the second divorce, which is in the 60s, I believe. And then... Uh, if you get divorced a third time, it's in the mid seventies and it's been a while since I've looked at those numbers, but that's usually the average. And I think part of the problem is, and it's, again, this is just my opinion here, Jonathan, is that it is so easy to get a divorce. It is just, um, here in the state of Colorado, uh, you can file and then within by 90 days, you're officially divorced. So it is just too easy. And I don't know. I I, I I think part of the issue is we're not seeking out help. We're not going to the professionals, um, the mediators, the counselors, the psychiatrists to say, where are the areas we can help within our marriage and build upon that? When my wife and I before we got uh, married my wife said to me my my current wife hey would you be willing to go to marriage counseling before we get married and i said yeah i mean i've been in i've been in therapy since a uh, young young lad and so i am all for it i'm all for to building you know a healthy uh, marriage by going to counseling getting you know you know having those open conversations because you don't want to go into a marriage thinking, you know, if this doesn't work out, I can just get divorced instead of fighting for your marriage, instead of working for your marriage, you know, working for your family. And so that's what I feel, Jonathan, that is it's too easy uh, to get a divorce uh, these days.
0: Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I think the other part of it is uh, the other component should be a normalizing of getting help, and I love the fact that you were proactive on getting the counseling. you know there was this time where there was a stigma around having a therapist uh, it's you get in a conversation it 's the water cooler conversation ah oh, you see are you seeing a shrink you know what's got what 's up what's going on here like it's a like it's a super bad thing, and we're slowly moving to where this is now a very normal thing where more people are seeing therapists and this is normal. It's even tougher for us guys, because we have this, for whatever reason it is, we have this problem with saying, I need help. And would it be normal for us to actually admit that and to go seek out help? But I mean, it's, I kind of look at it this way. It's like, would you rather get the help and be better off? Or would you rather have the train wreck? I think it just comes down to those two things especially when help is so readily readily available now than it ever used to be.
1: Yeah. And I, I go back to the earlier conversation we we're having about, you know, not to stereotype it, but I, I still feel that, you know, a lot of the men are uh, fixated on the still the 1950s where number one, If, if your child is crying, I'll give you something to cry about, go rub some dirt on it. Mm, Um, Exactly. And, and, and not again, and not admitting that they need help or, or can just openly say, Hey, I need to go see a psychiatrist. So there's something going on internally. I just need to go. Um, And you know, I I think that we're we're getting better as as a whole for men. I think um, we're we're getting to an, a new generation, a new level of getting that mental help that we need. And
0: so we're not we're not totally there yet, but I think we're on an upswing. What happens to kids emotionally when parents separate or divorce? What does it do to their world? I can only speak for for myself. When my parents
1: got divorced, ironically, I too was about five years old. And to me, what it did was it it wrecked me. Um, you know, looking back, um, and I'm sure a lot of my uh emotional issues were stemmed from the divorce. I mean, I, I I'll never forget it's tattooed on my brain. Uh, the day that my dad left. I'll never forget that. So when I went through my divorce, that was one image I did not want my son to see of his dad leaving. And so I I firmly feel that if you can really use co-parenting to what it's for, and that is for the kids and keeping the kids first. And not having the two uh, former spouses, number one, putting the kids in the middle, you know, using them as a pawn, um, you know, having healthy conversations between uh, the former spouses, the kids will be resilient. The kids will bounce, um, I don't want to say bounce back, but they will find some normalcy. But it goes back to the adults, Jonathan, if the if the adults act like adults, it's in the benefit of the kids. But if they start acting like idiots and he said, she said, and it's, you know, constant bickering back and forth, either via text, via email, via phone calls, it's not going to benefit the kids. So if you if you don't have the mindset of putting the kids first, you're going to end up.
0: Literally screwing up those kids for life. Tommy, what is the number one problem you see with the dads that you coach?
1: I, I see the number one problem of uh, bouncing from one relationship to another with, without taking uh, a stop and working on themselves. And so, you know, after a divorce, they think, oh, I need to go find, you know, somebody to replace, you know, my former spouse. And that's what I see, Jonathan. I see more men not taking the initiative to again, as we've been talking about, you know seeking help, figuring out what is it that they can work on um to improve not only themselves but improve
0: their their relationship with other people, but most importantly with their kids. Wow, yes. Um, taking that time of doing a self inventory and that part is, takes a certain level of vulnerability, I would imagine. And is not necessarily a fun experience because it requires you to actually look at even and face some of the things going on inside of you that are wrong. You may end up running into traumas that may have been contributors to why things turned out they did. And then having to confront those things, in your life is a very can be a very painful process but again it comes back to getting that help getting that therapy getting the resources that you need to sort through that so you don't bring that into whatever is next going on in your life and so you don't protect, project that onto your kids as well
1: yeah i mean like you're saying you know you could have you know your your history is going to affect you know moving forward so if, for example, you're abused as a young child and you haven't dealt with that, that's going to carry forward on a daily basis. And so, um, again, that's where we men need to take a step back and go, all right, how, w- how can I improve myself before getting into the next relationship? Because chances are, you know, it's like on the shampoo bottle, rinse and repeat. So you're going to end up in another possible uh, bad relationship instead of, again, focusing on you. Uh, and and that's what I tell the many men is you need to focus on you first before focusing on your kids. Because if your kids see that you're working on yourself and the kids see that you're getting healthy mentally, physically, emotionally, even spiritually, they're going to be that way as well. How can dads
0: find out more about you or get coaching and buy your book? Uh, Just head
1: to the website, blendingthefamily.com. That's blendingthefamily.com. Or you can always email me at tommy at blendingthefamily.com.
0: Just to make that a little bit easier too. So if you also go to thefatherhoodchallenge.com, And that's the fatherhoodchallenge.com. And you go to this episode, look below the description. All of the links that Tommy just mentioned are going to be right there. So you can click on it. It'll take you to the website. It will take you to the book and it will take you right to where you can reach out and connect with Tommy directly. So as we close, what is your challenge to dads listening now? Work on yourself. Very, very, very simple. That's it work on yourself. So Tommy, thank you so much for coming on to the Fatherhood Challenge and sharing so much wisdom with us. It's been an honor to have you.
1: Uh, it's the other way around. It's, it, it's my honor to be on your show, Jonathan. I am so happy uh, we are connected. I am so happy that we took this opportunity to hopefully bring value to your tribe, your peeps, your audience Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fatherhood
0: Challenge. If you'd like to contact us, listen to other episodes, find any resource mentioned in this program, or find out more information about the Fatherhood Challenge, please visit thefatherhoodchallenge.com.
1: That's thefatherhoodchallenge.com.